Today, we were going to name our top five hockey stories of 2018 and predictions for 2019, but a tirade from a CEO could force some change in a hockey market that isn't Ottawa. So we're going to talk about that instead. We will mention our top story of 2018 in the rapid fire, though. Uh, we're also going to talk about the World Juniors, a payday for a Pittsburgh Penguin, and a pair of curious moves by the Edmonton Oilers. Episode 152 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. And now, it's time to Lace Em Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, and Happy New Year to you. I'm Stephen Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Also, Happy New Year's. And uh, today we're going to delve into the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia once again. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? I am, yeah. All right, question number 40. If I can find it here. Uh, Almost there. should really have this open before I delve into it. That's all right. Uh, It's not like we have a ton of things to get over (laughs) to do. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, found it. Here it is. Which NHL are retired with the most career points by an undrafted player and went on to become a Hall of Fame member? Is it A, Joe Mullen, B, Peter Stasny, C, Adam Oates, or D, Boreas Salming? Um, I have no idea, like always, but, um, the only one that I recognize of those lists, I think, is uh, Adam Oates. So I'm going with Adam Oates, even though that's probably not right. Well, good thing you did, because you're right. Oh, nice. All right, cool. Adam Oates is the correct answer. I thought, when it said, which NHLer retired the most career points by an undrafted player, I'm just thinking... Wayne Gretzky wasn't drafted in the NHL. I thought this was made for Wayne Gretzky. Right, right. Yeah, that is... Uh... Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Well, I was thinking, like, this This book wasn't made, like, like this year, because if so, Martin St. Louis would probably be in one of the, one of the uh, question, answers or one of the choices, so... Yeah, St. Louis, like, I'd imagine, is right up there. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, like, oh, that's Martin St. Louis, and then I was trying to think if it's been updated or not. Um, all right, well, that's cool. Um, I feel like I'm on a winning streak now in, the, in these uh, trivia questions. Yeah, you're, you're starting to get on a roll here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyways, uh, like Steve mentioned, uh, there's another team that has... Uh, their owners and management group has uh, is uh, kind of upset with their star players on the team, um, and it's not the Sens, it's not Eugene Melnick for once, um, but this time it's Stars uh, Dallas Stars CEO Jim Lights, um, and he uh, he blasted um, Sagan and Ben for their poor play um, just recently. Um, in uh in an article to the athletic um he and told this was to put and things the in dallas context, morning news sorry to put things into context here 
this was a requested interview. Yep. This wasn't mumbled behind closed doors. And, he requested this interview. And also, this happened um, right after the Stars beat the Nashville Predators two to nothing on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he says. <clears throat> By the way, this we're going to have to bleep some uh, stuff out here. But uh, the uh, he goes, quote, They are effing horse manure. I don't know how else to put it. The team was okay, but Sagan and Benton were terrible. These guys are not good enough. Lights continued. They're not good enough for me. They're not good enough for the owner. And they're certainly not good enough for the general manager, who I can't speak for, but it's not good enough for the job he's done. Apparently, he, uh, Lights had talked to the owners, and the the owner, Tom Gallardi, kind of agrees with him. Um, so he's kind of like speaking for the owner. Um, but he hasn't talked to uh, Jim Neal even though uh, we'll get to in a second. But we've had meetings after after meeting, after meeting, after meeting. The accountability on the ice is not there. These guys were signed to big contracts because they were the third and sixth leading scorers in the National Hockey League over the past five years. They get their money. We expect them to not be outplayed every game we play in. And if they were as good as they have been in the past, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, so we've kind of, uh, so currently the stars are actually a wild card team, which is, uh, so like, this is coming from a guy, like a team that's actually like in a playoff contention. We did do an episode based on the stars. Um, we did do a, uh, based off of Jimmy Ben's poor start. Um, however, uh, Tyler Sagan has 33 points in 39 games. Uh, Ben has 30 points in 39 games, which isn't terrible, of course. Uh, but like not what we're used to. Those kind of roughly would, uh, bring them to, if they were, you know, if they played an 82 game, if they played all 82 games, uh, they'd be, they'd both get around 60 points which is fine, obviously, but it's not um, great um, consider, co- compared to what we're, we expect from them. Um, however, uh, say, uh, Ben leads the team in goals. Uh, Sagan leads the team in points. Um, and I guess, le- so on one hand, before we get to all these questions that I have prepped for you, um, before, like, like on one hand, I get it. Like we we even did an episode about Jimmy Ben's poor start, and uh, like you know, I guess Sagan and Ben should be at the top of those lists in terms of point scoring. But at the same time, they're by far the best players on the ice for the Stars on every given night. It's it's like not even close in terms. Of, I mean, it's. It's basically Sagan, Radulov, and Ben. It's like I can't like their their fourth best player is Jason Spezza, um, and he's like he only has twenty one points in thirty seven games. So I, um, so it, it it's like kind of like a like sure a Sagan and Ben should be playing better, but um, it seems kind of ridiculous to. Um, 
blame them for um, for for their the team's failures, uh, considering they're like they're the, like without them, I feel like this team would be a lottery team. Um, and uh, so the NHLPA uh, kind of has back Sagan and Ben up. The comment uh, they say quote. The comments Jim Lights made regarding Tyler and Jamie are both reckless and insulting. If players directed such comments towards management, how would the, those be regarded? To say that, yep, <laughs> not. I mean, we already know in terms of the Uber uh, incident in uh, yeah. Ottawa. To say that Jim Lights' conduct is unprofessional would be a gross understatement. In professional sports, all individual players and teams go through highs and lows, but this is not how professionals handle adversity, um, which I can understand because it's like, um, like I, I, I get where Jim Lights is coming from, and he could have been, um, but like I don't think I don't understand why he he could have just talked to them instead of or you know had like a meeting with them instead of like saying like you know going to the public and you know like publicly getting a, a reporter out and saying it um yeah like like tyler sagan said look dude my yeah. phone number's right there you can just call exactly me. and and that's what i was about to get to it sagan and ben both kind of had the same kind of statement they're saying like yeah we agree that we need to be better um but we have we don't play for gym lights we play for the team i always want to be here um, and you know, it's, and then they kind of also said like, Hey, we're, you know, um, we've never even talked to Jim lights in like a year. Um, so, um, so that's, that's the odd part to me as well. Is that like, I feel like, I guess it like, I'm not saying that he shouldn't criticize Sagan and Ben for their play. But at the same time, like, I feel like he could have handled, like, Jim Lights could have just didn't need to make this public. Um, we shouldn't really be talking about this right now. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, I think, I think that's my take at the start. What, what is your, uh, what is your uh, thoughts on all this? Well, like Jim Nell said, um, you know, he doesn't have a problem with the fact that a message was sent. He's He's got a problem with how it was delivered. Right. Because, like you said, there were a lot of profanities in this tirade. Um, and you don't normally hear or read about CEOs going off on star players like this. Um, but let, let's just take into account what the stars have done and what Sagan and Ben have done. So... The Anaheim Ducks entered Saturday two points better than Dallas. They averaged two shots per game less than Dallas. They averaged three shots against per game uh, higher than the Stars. So the Stars gave up three shots against per game less than Anaheim did. Um, the Ducks have a negative. Uh, the Ducks have a bigger negative differential in goal scoring than Dallas. So the goal score goes against is worse for Anaheim. Uh, Anaheim scored the third fewest goals in the West ahead of only Arizona and Los Angeles prior to Saturday. They are fighting through injuries all season. Dallas has a better power play than they do. They have a better penalty kill than the Ducks. 
The Stars have fared better in the second period, but in the first and the third, the Ducks have fared better. They've had stronger starts. They've had stronger finishes. So playing a complete game is what the Stars need to work on. And the fact is they're in year one of the Jim Montgomery experiment. This guy has never coached in the NHL before. It's a learning process. Sometimes things just don't happen right away. And I get that they're in the Central Division and Minnesota entered Saturday three points back of them in the standings. But you look at Minnesota, prior to a big 3-1 win over the Jets, they had five goals scored in five games. They had lost all of those five games. Do you hear their CEO ripping into Ryan Suter and Mikhail Granlin for a lousy offensive display? Like, no. I know that... Dallas gave up 49 shots against the Preds, 37 in the final 40 minutes. But you got to take into account that the Preds at that time just got P.K. Subban back in the lineup. They just yep. got Victor Arvidsson back in the lineup. They had lost four straight on the road. They've lost six straight now. So they're desperate for a win. They probably needed the win more than Dallas did. Um and you can argue that Ben and Sagan weren't really effective offensively in that game, but to say they're garbage, considering that they're still the top two players on the team, that's a battle that CEO Jim Lights is probably going to lose. Because yeah. if you think the Stars are going to be better without Jimmy Ben or Tyler Sagan, you're wrong. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah, no, that, that's kind of been my, like, that's been our kind of consensus for the stars for a while now is that like Sagan and Ben are really good um and Radulov you can put him on up there too um but like where where's their forward depth it's like Jason Spezza is like 37 years old and he's their fourth best scorer on the team um, he's making upwards of five million per year yeah and Hansel's getting close right. to five million a year and he's injured most right. of the time um like uh Ben Radulov and Sagan are the only players who have 30 points um yeah. and um so like Yanmark has 14 points uh, Faxa has 14 points. Uh, Devin Shore has 17 points. Miro Heiskanen has been uh, decent, though, uh, with 17 points in 39 games. This is kind of, this is turning into an are they for real section, I guess. <laughs> um, Essa Lindell has 17 points in 39 games. But those aren't, like, great, you know, those aren't great statistics. So it's like, so I don't even think, this brings us to our next question, is I don't think... Uh, Jim Lights is, I mean, he has a point in terms of like Sagan and Ben. It's not, it's not like they're like Radulov and I mean, uh, not like uh, Rantanen and McKinnon. They're not doing that kind of stuff. But um, they're still like the best two players on the team. Um, I guess, I mean, I guess you could make a case that Radulov might have a better season than than both of them, but. Uh, right now, but it's, you know, it's still like, I feel like if you take both of them off the team, we're looking at like one of the worst teams in the league. Um, so, so I think, I don't think he was blaming the right people. If anything, you should be blaming Jim Neal for trying to get more of a supporting cast uh, for Sagan and Ben, because they're doing what they can. Uh, like Jamie Ben's leading the team in goals. 
Uh, Sagan's leading the team in assists. So, um, so it's not like they're like, it, it's just it's just strange to blame the best players uh, for their poor play. And like, if like I, I know like last like the first game back after these comments were made public, uh, the uh, the Dallas Stars beat the Red Wings five to one. But Ben did not get any points. Uh, Sagan only had an assist. But then and he guess got. Who, guess yeah. who picked up the load? The guys that have to. Right, Alexander Radulov had two point, uh, two goals. Uh, you know, Jason Spezza had a goal. Tyler Picklick, I don't, I never even heard of this guy. He had a goal. Blake Komu. So like those, that's the main reason why the Stars have to be where they are at is their supporting cast. It's not Sagan and Ben. Uh, sh- who should be t- taking the load. I mean, yeah, it's, it would be nice if they could be like Rantanen and McKinnon or Stamkos and Kucherov, but they're not, you know, they're still like pulling their weight. So, uh, so yeah, I disagree with Lights's comments and his profanity in both <laughs> regards. Uh, but like, you know, at the same time, I do think there are some cons- uh I can understand where they're coming from at the same time because there were like I um, like we even did a whole segment about Jamie Ben not being Jamie Ben this year um, and Sagan you know should be in the top ten in terms of scoring and he's not so I understand it from that perspective. What fuels this argument is you know we're paying these guys eight to ten million dollars a year right. to be on the level of Connor McDavid or Nikita Kucherov, and they're not. Right. And I can buy that argument. What I don't buy is the fact that he calls them horse manure. Yep. And, uh... Horse manure means they're nothing. They do nothing. Uh, And Lights actually adds on, which brings me to to that point. Uh, Lights even said, it's not about how much money. I don't resent the money. It's about what we expect the money to be. You just can't win if your best players aren't your best players. And they that's, aren't that's, best players. That's one part where he's right. Yep. Yeah, and, and that I can I, I can understand and, and agree to. Like, they do need to play better if they're going to be best players. But at the same time, like, the Stars are, like, everyone is, they're, like, pulling their own weight. You know, like, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter how you do it. If you can make the playoffs, you can, you know, it doesn't matter how you get there, really. So... I I, th- I find it like you know maybe like like yeah I guess Sagan and Ben could be better um, like we just mentioned in terms of the last game they played but um, even still it seems like you know a little bit ridiculous to call them out in public like this um, let's see other questions uh, will do you think uh, this will light the team up or do the opposite? Well, that's a good question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start by looking at the Ducks again because in the early portion of the season, like I said, they had injuries. They relied on John Gibson like there was no tomorrow. And their first 25 games, they averaged 14.7 scoring chances per game, 8.4 slot shots per contest, 3.7 slot shots per contest from the inner slot. 6.5 passes to the slot per game, 7.4 pass receptions in the slot per game. The following 10 games, 
their average scoring chances per game went up by 1.8. The average slot shots per game went up by 1.8. Their inner slot shots went up by 1.7. Their passes to the slot went up by 2.9. And their pass receptions in the slot per game went up by 2.6. So in comparison of the first 25 games to the following 10 games, they improved in those 10 games. And the Ducks, like I said, weren't relying heavily on John Gibson. And they weren't relying as heavily on him through those 10 games. So what I'm trying to say is, eventually, if you work hard, the results are going to come. And the Stars just got John Klingberg back from injury not that long ago, and he missed six weeks. And while Heiskanen stepped up in his absence, John Klingberg makes this Dallas Stars team that much better. So yeah, maybe you can light a fire under Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan by just talking to them, but I don't think going out there and throwing them under the bus is going to do much to light the team up. Like, if they work hard, if they continue to try and get positive results, eventually the results are going to come. You don't need a full-blown tirade that you purposely put out to the media telling them to write this story you don't need that to motivate a player right so that's that's the that's the hot coals that uh the dallas star ceo um is stepping on right now because i think this has more potential to blow up in their face than it does light up the team yeah i mean it also does bring more attention to this um so uh, so there's that and like, you know, I feel, but having said that, like, you know, the stars did beat the Red Wings, uh, the, the, uh, the day after this was, you know, said, um, we'll see how they do tonight against the Canadians. Um, that's the, the Red Wings game was the only game they played, um, since, since those comments, um. Yeah, and, you know, that's the other strange thing about it is, like, the Stars are still, like, if the playoffs, like, if the season ended today, the play, uh, the Stars would get the second wild card spot. So they'd be in the playoffs if they, um, if the season ended today. Um, so I, and, you know, but, like, at the same time, I guess... Like, I don't think they're better than the Avalanche or the Predators or the Jets, um, teams that there are ahead of them in the division. So I guess that might be what Jim Lights is trying to say, is that if, if we want to compete with these teams in our division, like especially the Jets and the Predators, you know, we have, like, Sagan and Ben have to step it up even more than they have. Um, so So I understand it from that perspective. But I still feel like... I don't know. I feel like it's more of the GM's fault for um, not bringing in the right right people. So we'll see. Yeah, Maybe and, this. And I have more. I yeah. have more stats that also back that up. Like right. those two guys combined for thirty-seven goals in the team's first thirty-eight games. Goal scores four through nine heading into Saturday had thirty-four. Yeah. And uh, Ben and Sagan had nine power play goals combined. The rest yep. of the team ten. Yeah. They have more shots combined than third, fourth, and fifth best shooters on the team put together. Yep. 
Um, so the, 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 the stats speak for themselves, honestly. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, yeah, so that kind of brings us to our next question is, will this inspire Sagan and Ben? And I don't, like, I feel like, I, I think it's more like, will this, like, yeah, they, it, it probably will. I feel like once this is made public, it's kind of like now all eyes are on you. So maybe there is going to, there is something to that effect, psych, psychologically speaking. Um, but, um, at the same time, it's, I feel like the other, you know, this is a, about the time when like other players have to step it up as well. Um, it's not just Sagan and Ben that need to be inspired. Um, you know, like when, when I look back at the Washington Capitals, like Ovechkin and Backstrom carried the team for a number of years. And then once like what kind of got them over the hump last in the playoffs last year was they had like Kuznetsov was a revelation. Tom Wilson was the energy guy and he was able to contribute uh, offensively speaking. There were so many like depth players and that's what you need to be. That's what separates like the contending teams and the elite teams is the elite teams have those depth players. So, um, in you know, like, and, and especially when Sagan and Ben are struggling, they, you know, these depth players can help them out. Um, so, so I think it will, it probably could inspire them, but it's, it's one of those things that we kind of have to wait and see and, um, if that will happen. I think the only way this can do more harm than good is if yep. it's a recurring theme. True. Because if it happens more than once, then you get concerned if the player feels like he's wanted or not. And that's right. what every player wants to feel. They want to feel wanted. They want to go out there and have right. fun and know that the organization has got their back. And when you grip the stick a little too tight because you're under so much pressure to perform, it can get a bit unhealthy for both parties. It could reach a point where they don't even perform to the level that they're playing at right now. Yeah. And if you decide to trade one of these guys, you're not in the driver's seat. Because Ben has a no-move clause in every single year of his eight-year deal. He's in year two of that deal. And he's the captain. 13, making $13 million this year and next year. It only goes down to $6.5 million in the final three years. So the earliest that will happen is 2022-23. Sagan also has a new, uh, also has a no-move clause in the final year of his current contract, which ends after this year. And then the new contract that kicks in next year, no move for all eight years. Right. And in the first four years, in three of the first four years of that deal, he also makes $13 million. So if they get traded, one of them, maybe both, they decide which deal to say yes to. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a good point. It's almost like you've uh, read what I was about to say next. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they just back themselves into a corner. Right, right. No, that is a good point. I, I, it, it, you're right. It all comes down to if Sagan and Ben feel like they're wanted or not. And mm -hmm. if this is a recurring theme, um, then yeah, I think then they'll probably request a trade. Uh, but if not, then I don't think they, you know, if if this does inspire them. Um, then, then I think they, you know, 
I, I don't think this is something that we're going to have to think about again. Um, it kind of reminds me of, of back to when uh, Eric Carlson was having issues with Melnick uh, yeah, publicly. Yeah, I knew it was going to come back to the same. Yeah, so. I'm sorry. Uh, but like... Honestly, I just yeah. expect it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I mean, you would have said it if it was my team, you know, if yeah. it was like, yeah. I don't know, if uh, if Bergeron did not get along with the owners or something. Um, yeah. But, you know, like that that seemed to be like, it wasn't like Melnick said publicly that like, you know, Eric Carlson, like he, he wasn't going to pay Eric Carlson his money publicly. Um, and that seemed to be rooted in like countless conversations um reportedly by the way uh that like it seemed to be like uh countless conversations uh behind the scenes of Melnick and Carlson and they didn't get along so um so it really depends on if if Sagan and Ben don't get along with management whether they know who Jim Lights is or not or um, it seems like the Jim Lights was saying that the owner is agree is on the same page as as Lights is. So like if the owner also like it doesn't feel like Ben and Sagan are great, then that can obviously that can turn like Eric Carlson like like the Eric Carlson situation yeah. in Ottawa. So exactly. um so there's that, which is also kind of funny too, because you know uh, <laughs> Carlson almost was in Dallas, uh, which would have been funny if if that actually happened. Like yeah. this, the same thing happened, and Eric Carlson was also there. Um, all right, uh, let's go to the top three, bottom three. You go first. Um, it would be funny if you had Dallas in your top three, but I don't think you did. <laughs> I do not have them in my top all three right. now. Uh, but yeah, um, it's your turn for the top three. So, okay, so my top three still features, surprise, surprise, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning at the yep. top. One game left in December, haven't fallen in regulation, um, continue to find ways to win, give up a 5-2 lead to Philly, no problem, they still win that. They outlast Montreal in a seesaw fair on Saturday. They scored in the final minute of regulation to win that game. Kucherov's had a killer month. Stamkos is scoring again. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning, top of my list. Second best team, Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. Finally starting to play like themselves again. Suddenly winning 8 of 10. Their goaltendings look better. Matt Murray has won five straight starts. That's great for my fantasy team, by the way. Um, their goaltending as a whole surrendered one goal or less in four of the past five outings. Um, and... Um, Crosby's playing well, no surprise there. Uh, Phil Kessel picking it up. So everyone's chipping in there. Um, third best team for me is Vegas. 6-1-3 uh, oh. record. Uh, heading into Sunday's game against Arizona, they won that game. So they're 7-1-3 in their last 11 now. Um, they enter that game third in the Pacific Division. None of their skaters are in the top 50 scores for December. Nate Schmidt. Uh, in his first 14 games of December, had 12 points leading the team. Uh, Carlson had seven goals at that point. Stasny had seven points in uh, eight December matches. Uh, at that point, Oscar Lindbergh had seven and 11. Uh, and how about Brandon Peary filling in for Patrick Four goals in his first five games. And plus, uh, Malcolm Subban starting to pick it up as well. 
so they're my third best team. I will give some shout outs to a pair of goaltenders that are helping some struggling teams right now. Colin Delia playing very well in yeah. Chicago, 111 saves on 116 shots this year, 3 and 0 record. Uh, 1.67 goals against average, 9.57 save percentage. And then you have Jacob Markstrom in Vancouver, 8-1-0 in December, 1.66 goals against average, 9.43 save percentage. Yeah, he's been good too. Um, yeah, so my top three, so I have the Lightning, uh, for all the reasons that you said they're, they're winning five straight, they're clearly the best team right now. Um, and I do also want to give a shout out. Speaking of that episode that we had a couple weeks, uh, a couple months ago, uh, Steven Stamkos has officially uh, gone back to uh, form. He had 14 goals this um, this month, including uh, two two goals and two assists against the Flyers and two goals against the Oilers. Um, and then he had a goal streak. He had a five-game goal streak that uh, um, went against Winnipeg, uh, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, and uh, Philadelphia. So those aren't like tough teams really anymore. Yeah. So um, so it looks like uh, we should not be worried about Steven Stamkos anymore um, as he is back. Um, also, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I was going to mention uh, Matt Murray. Seems like he's actually back to uh, being good again. Um, so there, dare I say it, and it's it's definitely shown in there. Uh, it looks also looks like Crosby is um, like uh, showing why he's one of the best players of all time. So um, so he's been he's been phenomenal as well. And then uh, third, um, I was thinking Vegas, but I kind of have to say I think Washington is still my third team here. Um, I think, uh, I don't know, I, I guess it's more like Ovechkin, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, and John Carlson. Those are like, you know, they're playing at the pinnacle of, they're playing the peak hockey. Um, I kind of wonder if it's like there's something to it where they have no pressure anymore now that they have the cup, where they're like playing even better than they did before. So, yeah. Um, so I kind of wonder if there is something psychologically speaking in terms of that. But um, yeah, having said that, I I uh, I have that. Um, you did mention. Um, uh, I was also thinking Vegas. Um, as you mentioned before, for all those reasons, it looks like they finally picked it up. Especially Alex Tuck, who has like, um, I think a couple of goals or something, a couple of goals and assists. It seems like he I has believe a bunch he is of... also their leading scorer on the season. Yeah, and he he's played in less games as well. Yeah. Um, and Nate Schmidt's been uh, been pretty good um, in his return as well. Um, not just like hits and blocks, but he's he's getting on the score sheet as well. Uh, I was I do want to shout out Columbus. It seems like uh, Sergey Bobrovsky has been uh, back to his uh, normal self now. Yeah, he's um, played very well for them. Um, and then I also wanted to shout out because you you mentioned uh, Markstrom and uh, Colin Delia, who have both yeah. been very good this year. I do also want to shout out uh, another goalie who's been very good. 
uh, lately is uh, Mackenzie Blackwood from New Jersey. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, he uh, he's two and one. Um, they're playing right now, uh, but uh, you know it's kind of interesting because we've talked about how Corey Schneider hasn't won a regulation win in um, in a year. Um, and now he's injured, and then Keith Kincaid kind of took his place, and he had, he's been okay, not great. Um, and it does seem like, you know, if Mackenzie Blackwood can kind of keep this up, um, you know, I think he could be the starter by the end of the year. Um, so it's looking good for him right now. Uh, yeah, he has a 9.56 save percentage and a 1.58 GAA. So, um, so yeah, he looks pretty good too. Um, as for the bottom three, um, Edmonton, uh, they, uh, we'll talk about them in a second, um, in terms of their, their trades that they've made, but, um, it kind of looks like, you know, <laughs> like, like both, um, Koskinen and Talbot have kind of fallen off. Um, their last two games were, were terrible, um, I still think, like, I still have some hope in them, I guess. Um, although I don't have a ton of confidence in their their uh, their games uh, with uh, with the trades that they may just made. But um, when you lose to the Sharks seven to four and the Canucks four to two, um, and then you that adds to a five game losing streak, it just shows that I think the wheels are about to fall off because they were like you know on the up and up. For, for around there, but now it seems like they're back to um, being mediocre again. Um, mm -hmm. The sec, my second team is the uh, St. Louis Blues. Um, you know, this is another team that we we kind of expected that more out of them uh, this year, but um, it's just not showing. Um, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly is pretty good, but. Um, has been pretty good. He's been their best player, but like, where's Tarasenko? Uh, speaking of yeah. where the star players are, yeah, I, I uh, guess I was I was a year uh, yeah. too early when it comes to talking about his uh, year of regression. It's happening right. this year instead of last year. Uh, Braden Shen has been okay, but not great. Uh, David Perron's kind of picked it up, so I'll give him him some kudos. But it's it's just, uh, yeah, the Blues aren't. Uh, doing well although they do have a cute puppy so um i'll give them some points there um and then speaking of cute puppies which we'll also get into a little bit later i'm sorry steve but i have to do this uh the ottawa senators are my worst team uh right now uh they've they've lost six straight uh they also lost craig anderson um and thomas shabbat um, I'm spoiling your your section here, but um, I don't know. I'm I'm worried about them. So uh, I I and they have like I think they're second to last in terms of uh, points um, right now. So uh, Colorado is back to uh, looking at where Ottawa is because I like Thomas Shabbat was one of the main reasons why they could be like a. Um, you know, maybe not like a lottery pick or a playoff yeah, team, but not bad enough for Colorado. To get but not bad enough there. for Colorado to get really interested in it. So um, I will. I don't. I don't know. I think um, <laughs> we'll see how they fare. 
but uh, yeah, I don't have a ton of faith in them, especially with Craig Anderson out too. Um, other teams, uh, LA of course, but I feel like LA is going to be in the mix for bottom three every every week every time we do this now. Um, Arizona, um, they don't look good. Um, I think it's mostly because Anti Ranta isn't back yet, but you know their defense. Uh, and OEL's kind of picked it up since then, but um, and Nick Schmaltz has been pretty good too. But I don't, I don't know if they're gonna be good. Uh, and Nashville, I couldn't justify putting them into the bottom three, but I did want to mention that they've lost six straight, um, which is not good. But they're still like second in their division, so it just showed how hot of a start they had. Um, they do, they did get PK Subban back, um, but it does seem like they're showing that, um, like, you know, they kind of miss, uh, Forsberg when Arvidsson is back from IR as well. But I did want to mention those two, uh, the Predators have kind of slipped since then. Uh, so yeah, who, who's in your bottom three? Uh, third worst team is Minnesota. Like oh, wow. I said uh, in uh, the main topic, uh, they had a big 3-1 win over the Jets, but again, five goals in five games, losing all five, that's not good. Um, even with that win over Winnipeg, eight goals over six games is not good. It's strange because they're one of those teams that can go on a roll and really dominate and then just fall flat all of a sudden. I honestly don't know how to explain it. But, uh, yeah, they're my third-worst team. Uh, Second-worst team, uh, might as well pile on. Sens, big surprise. Um, the, over the past month, they've blown a couple of 3-1 leads in the third period. Um, oddly enough, they were able to win one of those games. It was against uh, Nashville. Um, but since then, they've dropped four in a row, 30th out of 31 teams in the league. Um, their defense is having a... A, a tough time when it comes to um, adapting to certain offenses. Um, it's it's honestly expected that they're not going to be a good team. I was just hoping that they wouldn't be this far down in the standings, but um, you know, what do you expect? They're a rebuilding team. Yep. Uh, what's not expected is doing bad when a few weeks ago you were doing good and are expected to perform better than you did a year ago, so that's why the Oilers are my worst team. Five straight L's taken uh, in that uh, game against Vancouver. They gave up four goals in the first period on six shots. Seven goals against uh, the Sharks on Saturday. No consistency to this team whatsoever. Nashville almost made it into my bottom three, but again, they, they had a good start, so that kind of masked it. But uh, if they continue to struggle, um, they're going to be on uh, my next bottom three but uh, they get away with it this time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we'll officially start worrying to them about them once, if if they lose the next maybe two games. Um, they're losing to the Capitals right now, two to one. So um, we'll see. Um, okay, uh, let's go to the rapid fire. So to start the show, Steve... Uh, mentioned that we were going to do a whole thing about we're going to list our top three moments of 20 hockey moments of 2018 uh, but we kind of since the star stuff kind of took over the news cycle uh, we kind of uh, we changed some things around now so 
Uh, the only thing we're going to mention, uh, we don't want to completely lose our thoughts on that. So uh, we're gonna, just, just going to set. We're each going to mention our top hockey moment of 2018. Um, for me, I was thinking of doing the Caps winning the cup and how great it was to see Ovechkin win, hoist the cup. Uh, but I have to go with my uh, homeboy, home girl, uh, Jocelyn Lamaru, uh, who pulled off this like sick, uh, like uh, deke. Um, in the shootout uh, to beat Canada in the Olympics. Um, I don't know if we'll see the uh, U.S. win the Olympics in my lifetime. Uh, I hope it's I hope it's in four years, but um, it was it was very cool to ha to finally beat Team Canada in an Olympic event. So um, so yeah, that uh, so that was awesome, especially with that move because I I don't even think like that's up there not just in women's hockey but like in men's hockey it's just it was a it was a great move to uh to win uh the gold medal mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm sure you're uh um there, i don't get to gloat that often uh to team canada so well uh, it, it was it was a good run i knew it was gonna come to an end yeah. at some point but it still sure. sucks when it ends so okay uh, so what was your top mo hockey moment of 2018? Uh, well, there were a lot of hockey moments uh, to choose from. Um, and I think probably the most favorite of them all for me was Obi finally winning the Stanley Cup. But if I'm talking powerful hockey moments, it's probably what happened with the Humboldt Broncos on April 6th. Oh, that's um, good one. And just how the community, how all of Canada, how the world rallied around that small community in Saskatchewan. And this is a team that heading into this year, a lot of people didn't know if they would be back this year, if they would have a team, how good this team would be. Um, and they're the second best team in their division right now. Um, they're, they're honestly fighting every single day of their lives. They're, they're fighting to, you know, look past those dark days um, that followed the April 6th bus crash. And it's not easy, not easy for the two players on the team that were a part of the team last year. Uh, not easy for the coach who um, who actually resigned last week, Nathan Oystrick, um, you know, brought into that situation in July where you know, he didn't know what to expect from the team, all that baggage, and yeah. he did the best job that he could and this team is still adapting to what happened in april and what's happening right now and it they're just taking it on a day-by-day -day basis but the the community's with them everyone's with them and just just the will to to keep fighting to keep playing the game that they love um amidst that day where a bunch of guys were going to a hockey rink getting ready to play a game that they love and everything was tragically taken away from them with a snap of a finger so um there's no debate as to what the most was in 2018 it was the humble broncos and it's it's honestly a story that goes beyond the game yeah yeah no that's a good choice i believe they're like one of the best teams in their league right 
Yeah, I said uh, they're the second best team in their division. Yeah. Which, considering that all their they players, lost a lot of their players are yeah. relatively new to the team. Um, yeah, it's very definitely impressive. not easy. Yeah, for sure. That 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 is a good moment. Um, for sure. Um, all right. Uh, on that note, I don't know how to transition. It was cer- cer- the good moment following the crash when yeah. everyone rallied. That's the true. The crash itself was tragic. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm just trying to think of a transition here, but I can't. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it it's 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 one of those. Yeah. It's one of those bittersweet stories because, well, it's it's mostly bitter, but yeah, it, it's sweet because you know everyone rallied around each other and you got to see the good of the hockey community, but yeah. mostly bitter because you know the families who lost a loved one they're still dealing with that, obviously. Yeah, so. that that's true. Um, anyways, uh, but you know that's certainly moving. Uh, let's go to our next item on the rapid fire. Uh, Jake Gensel uh, resigns with. The Penguins for five years um, and uh, six for six million annual average value. Uh, Jake Ensel is having a career year right now. He has mm-hmm. uh, 34 points in 38 games. 16 of those were goals. Um, last year he had 48 points and he he's about to surpass it pretty soon. Um, and you know in in about 40 less games. So um, so that's great uh, to see. Uh, for the American, uh, Oma, I, got, I just found out that he's American. He's 24 years old. I, I like this move. Um, I know he's he's been a little bit streaky, um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel, which make up, you know, the Penguins team, and Latang, you can put him in there too. Uh, they all... You know they're all getting up there in age, and uh, so Jake Gensel should be like a future player for them. Um, and so I, I I like the I like the move to lock him up now. Um, will he be consistent? That I'm that's still to be said, but um, I do like locking him up for long term. Yeah, well, uh, I I was taking a look at. Um another depth guy that they have in Brian Rust and the cheap four-year extension that they signed yep. to recently and how he was starting to get his game together. But you look at his best totals, they're five points better than Gensel's worst. And his worst was 33 points in only 40 games. And that was his first year. So in that season, Gensel was close to a point-a-game player. He had... Um, what appeared to be instant chemistry with Crosby. And I know a lot of people are going to be wondering, well, you know, $6 million per year, you look at how many star players the Penguins have uh, for that much money or more than that per year, like, this is pretty expensive still. And yep. that might be true, but you also take a look at those contracts that they also have to deal with. Crosby's got seven years left at $8.7 million per. He's 31 Malkin, four years left, 9.5 million per. He's 32. Latang, four years left, 7.2 million per, 31 years old. Um, four years left for Kessel, 6.8 million per, 31 years old. Um, once Gensel's five year deal that's going to kick in next year ends, a lot of those guys will need new contracts. And 
the thing to keep in mind about that is a lot of those guys are in the prime of their careers. The chances of their um, paydays going up, if they go up, it's not by much. And the only other key piece, assuming all goes well, that you'll have to resign during that time is Matt Murray. Yep. So in the long term, this deal doesn't look as bad as you might think. And at the end of the day, you look at his production in the playoffs. He only has been a part of two playoff runs. He has 42 playoff points in 37 games. 23 of those are goals. Yep. And at the time the Stanley Cup Finals started last year, he was still a top five playoff scorer in the league. Yeah. And he he was just playing out of his mind great hockey. And what's even more mind-boggling about that is since Crosby's first playoff run in 06-07, I took a look from 06-07 playoffs to last year uh, as to who the top goal scorers were. And Jay Gensel is 38th in goals scored amongst NHLers since Crosby's first playoff run when it comes to playoff goals. Again, he's only played in two postseasons. So to be 38th on that list is pretty incredible. Yeah. So um, I, I definitely like the signing, and I think uh, Jake Ensel's going to live up to it just fine. Yeah, I think – yeah, I agree. I, I am a little bit worried just because this is his first year of being pretty good um, in the regular season, but you're right. that That is like – you know, he was very, like, he was pivotal um, in their two playoff Stanley Cups uh, runs, uh, you know, the, the those two years. But, uh, so I am kind of wondering how he's going to do in the regular season. If he can keep it up, great. Uh, but I think that's my only concern would be is if he can be consistent in the regular season. Because uh, we know he's capable at, in the playoffs. If you look at what the Edmonton Oilers have had to deal with, trying to find somebody to play on right. David's line and kind of distribute the wealth, True. You know, the Pens don't have that problem. They have a guy that can play with yeah. Crosby. Why would you risk losing that? It's true. Like, um, like finding a guy to play with Crosby isn't a luxury. It doesn't grow on trees. Yeah, I mean, Chris Kunitz was able to play with Crosby, but yeah, no, you're right. That is a good point. Mm -hmm. Um... Okay, let's go to the injuries here. Um, so we're going to first start up. We have a couple here. Uh, Carey Price um, is injured. Uh, he has a lower body injury. Um, it's uh, The timetable isn't known yet, but uh, it does. Apparently it's been lingering for a while too, which is the biggest yeah. concern for me. Yeah, it does seem like Carey Price has had a history with injuries, so... Um, it is a little bit concerning when you consider that because he missed all of last year uh, due to injury. So um, we'll see if he can get back to health. But um, there's that. Um, also, uh, Frederick Anderson is uh, is injured. He has a groin injury. Um, it looks like he's day-to-day, -day, but the uh, Maple Leafs did make a trade, and they got Michael Hutchinson. They also called up Garrett Sparks. Um, so the Maple Leafs might be in, in trouble if uh, if this injury is serious. Um, 
which it might be. So we'll see. Well, but... the, good news, the good news is Mike Babcock doesn't consider it a long-term thing. They okay. had Garrett Sparks already as the backup. Right, that's what um, I said. They called up an AHL goalie. They've since sent him back down. The reason I think why they got Michael Hutchinson is to bolster their AHL goaltending depth. If you take a look at their AHL goaltending stats, they had a lot of goaltending depth last year. Yep. They are hurting bad. Uh in the AHL with the Marlies right now. They need stable goaltending. They're not getting it right now. And if if last year's AHL numbers uh, hold up, Michael Hutchinson will help them out big time. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, Matt Dumba, who was having a career year, uh, looks like he's going to be out for at least three months um, mm-hmm. with an upper body injury. He'll have surgery um he had surgery, um, um, but it looks like he's going to miss three months due to it. Uh, so that means he'll be back in March. Um, but he had 22 points in 32 games, so um, he's kind of needed for them. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, And that, and that means sad. Ryan Suter is going to be relied on even more. Yep. And his workload is And Jared Spurgeon, already, yeah. So. And Spurgeon, but, yeah. Yeah, Spurgeon um, as well. You'll have to step up too. Uh, also, uh, Colin Miller. He's been day to day for a while, but he was officially on the uh, IR. Now he has an uh, upper body injury. Um, it, it's unclear when he'll be back, but it does say that he's day to day. So um, there's that. Also, yeah, they all, uh, Vegas. Um, in response to that, also claimed Valentin Zykov off waivers from the Oilers, so right. we get some defensive depth there. Also, in sad news, uh, Nick Foligno, um, his daughter uh, has a scheduled surgery. Uh, she was born with a congenital heart defect, so Nick Foligno had to uh, leave the team for a bit just to uh, make sure that she's okay. Uh, hopefully, we're, we're all rooting for uh, her and, and Nick Foligno's family as well. Um, hopefully, that everything is okay in the, in that regards um but i figured i should mention that here um yep uh we kind of have teased this throughout um the, the this episode uh and now we're finally going to get to it uh the edmonton oilers made a couple of trades uh yesterday on december 30th i guess uh steve was telling me uh, this uh, when it happened, but I thought the holiday trade freeze uh, like extended after the New Year's Day, uh, but it looks like that's not the case. And um, either way, uh, they made there were two trades, both involving the Oilers. Um, one which was uh, the Oilers get Alex Petrovich uh, for, um, and they send and Florida gets Chris Weidman in a. Th- a 2019 conditional third round pick the condition is the Panthers received the higher of the two 2019 third round picks um and the the Oilers currently hold um so um yeah I uh, this is one of those trades where it's like I don't know like Alex Petrovich seems to be one of those uh like he hits a lot and I'm not necessarily sure he doesn't really do much else um he's an okay shutdown defender in that regard but um so uh there's that and then the the weirdest trade 
um, is uh, the Oilers get Brandon Manning and Robin Norell from the Blackhawks for uh, Jason Garrison and Drake Kajula. Um, now, if you remember this, uh, there's two interesting things to this. Um, one, which is which Steve mentioned, is that McDavid, um, they both revolve around McDavid. Uh, McDavid and Drake Kajula got along like uh, really well um, in uh, you know off the ice and and stuff um, and on the ice. Uh, Drake Kajula like had his best games on the Oilers when he was on McDavid's line. He didn't really show much afterward, like when he was off of McDavid's line. But um, you know he's. So there, there's that aspect of things where you're upsetting McDavid on that front. And then you're also upsetting McDavid by getting this guy that uh, Brandon Manning, who, uh, if you remember in 2015, uh, broke McDavid's um, collarbone um, and forced McDavid to, uh, to miss half the year. And then later on, McDavid like confronted Manning, and Manning admitted that he intentionally tried to injure McDavid. Um, reportedly, Chirelli said uh, that he talked to McDavid, and Grant and McDavid was okay with this trade uh, to get Brandon Manning on the team. But it's got to be so weird to have like for Brandon Manning and McDavid to like Brandon Manning's like the guy who like visibly like said like yeah and it, i i intentionally meant to uh uh injure my future captain and best player on the team you know so it, it was just uh um it's just a strange move in that regard um i also think that drake kujula was one of the better players when he was in college so i feel like of those of the players traded, I think Drake Kajula has the best chance of actually making an impact on the teams um, that we see here. But um, you know, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if you know Drake Kajula isn't as good as I thought he was. So um, we'll see. Yeah, well. The, the thing with the Oilers, it's not like, you know, a key defenseman, like, I don't know if they had, like, Dustin Bufflin and he gets right. hurt and he's out for multiple weeks. It, it's it's not one of those things where you have to go out and get defensive help. Um, th- this is purely Peter Shirelli doing whatever he can to shake up the roster and, right. and, and do something because I think Ken Hitchcock worked out well at the start, but like we mentioned earlier in the show they've dropped five in a row uh, it seems like they need something to wake them up again yep. um, so they lose it starts off by uh, losing Valentin Zykov to the waiver wire and then they trade away Chris Weidman granted they get a higher pick or um, well actually they don't get a higher pick they actually traded they, they trade a fifth round pick to get Chris Weidman right uh, from from Ottawa, I believe it's a fifth or a sixth, and then they trade away Chris Weidman and a third round pick in order to get more of a shutdown defenseman. And if you look at Weidman's stats from the AHL um, in 2013-2014, he had 51 points in 73 games. The following year, 
He had 19 goals and 61 points in 75 AHL games. Yep. In two games with the Oilers, in five games with the Oilers this year, rather, he had two points, which isn't terrible. So I think even losing Chris Wyman, they lost a bit of potential there. He just yeah. didn't really get much of a fair shake. And then you look at the uh, Drake Kajula deal. Uh, seven goals and 11 points in 29 games isn't that bad when you consider he's 10 shy of a personal best. He's only played in 29 games this year. For a bond six forward, that's pretty good. And for the Oilers, you need depth scoring. And they lose that. They lose a hundred grand in that deal. And they're getting like it, you take away the pass with McDavid and Manning for a second. Is Brandon Manning a top four defenseman? No. No, no he's not. Yeah. So I, I don't really I don't really know if the Oilers are really getting better with these trades. And the three previous um, transactions they made by getting Zykov, by getting Ryan Spooner in the uh, Ryan Strom trade uh, to the Rangers, who, by yeah. the way, Spooner was dangled in both of these trades, and neither Florida or right. Chicago went for it. Which so, is funny, too. So they might move on with Ryan Spooner yeah. if, if, at this rate. And then, but no one wants him. <laughs> and, and then Chris Weidman you bring in, and he's gone now. So yeah. three of the small moves they made to try and shake up their team haven't worked out. Yep. Uh, so yeah. if, the, if these moves don't work out, I don't think Shirelli can do anything else to save his job. Yeah, no, I agree. Like he, he's in desperation mode right now. Yeah, clearly. Um, also... Uh, I, there are some uh, stats here. Yeah, that is a good point about Spooner, especially since they got him from Ryan Strom, and and Ryan Strom they got from Jordan Eberle. So it, it's just yeah. it's just funny that like you know that Trelli is just trying to get something um, out of out of Spooner um, because of his regrets of the other two trades, which is it's just weird. Um, also, I found here, this is according to a Chicago Blackhawks beat writer, the um, Manning hasn't dressed since December 12th. Uh, Chicago has rattled off five straight wins since then. And between October 18th and December 12th, Chicago went 7-17-3, and, and Manning was 0-2-2 with a minus 14 Um or you know he had two assists um it went minus 14 i hope he plays uh and then he also says like i hope he plays well i do but this isn't a guy i would have taken for free so um so yeah no that, that adds to your point that like like if you're gonna trade what like a depth forward that trey kajula seems to be um like i can understand getting like a shutdown defenseman um I can understand it from that perspective, but Brandon Manning's not the kind of guy I would trade for. Um, so, so there, there's interesting there. I still think Drake Kajula could be decent um, in a new team. Um, I also found here that after Alex Chieson's 16 goals, the next best goal scoring natural winger on Edmonton's current rosters are Jesse Pugliarvi, who has three goals. Uh, Yuihar Kaara, Zach Cassian, Ty Ratty have two goals, and Milan Lucic and Kair Yamamoto have one goal. So, <laughs> Milan Lucic is one goal. Yeah. He's making all 
million a year. Exactly. That's. I mean, that's another issue. That's the. That's the main reason. Um, I think he had but, less than twelve minutes in the San Jose game as well. So yeah, they're not I mean, even really playing him that much. I mean, that's the main reason why the Oilers are struggling. Is Milan Lucic is like an anchor there. Um, he only has one goal in thirty-eight games, and I think he had one goal last year too. So, um, so yeah, that's the main reason. But um, and he's paid like twenty-four million um, in those two years. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely, I don't, I mean, we'll see, uh, you know, I, I always hate evaluating trades like the day after it happens before the, the teams have even played. But, um, at this point, I would say the advantage goes to Chicago and, uh, Florida. Um, but we'll see. Um, we'll see. Uh, it is, a, it is amazing that Shirelli even won the, uh, the Stanley cup, <laughs> Um, it is amazing uh, just after all these trades uh, that he did afterwards uh, we're going to do some world junior um, update here uh, I've gotten like parts of it every now and then I do. I did see that the USA like almost beat Sweden but then they didn't uh, Ryan Poiling had like a uh, had a natural hat trick and then they lost the game right after uh, Morgan Frost is uh, has seven points as well um, and Maxime Comtois has six points in three games uh, but uh, Steve you're gonna have to help me out here in terms of giving a proper update here <laughs> so one of the, the big surprises has been Philip Kurashev on Team Switzerland Five goals and 20 shots in four games, three power play goals, um, 18 goals in a queue this year. His single season high set two years ago, and that was 21. So he's probably going to break that this year. Projected to score at least 30 to 40. Uh, and surprise, surprise, Chicago Blackhawks prospects. Oh, wow. So they're uh, pretty happy with his play, I'm sure. Um, when it comes to efficient scoring, Ryan Poling, uh, that future Montreal Canadian, unfortunately for your Bruins, Brett. Yep. Uh, five goals on nine shots in the first three games he's played, so good for him. Uh, Evan Barrett, uh, Oliver Wallstrom, and Quentin Hughes all have 10-plus shots for the Americans. They sit in the tournament's top 10 for shots on goal as a result. Uh, we mentioned Morgan Frost and Maxine Comtois leading the way for Canada. Mackenzie Entwistle, though, has been a pleasant surprise. Um, he scored a couple of goals. Brett Leeson has also looked solid for Team Canada. Um, as far as surprises, Jack Hughes and Alexis Lafreniere, uh, two of the most hyped talents in this tournament, um, two of the best talents in the upcoming two drafts, uh, we were expecting really solid play. And whether it's injuries or adjustments yep. to the play itself, neither have really dominated in this tournament so far. Um, so well, Jack Hughes to see how they fare, and, and to be fair to Jack yeah. Hughes, he's only played in one game, two games. Oh, he's only played in two games. Yeah, and he has an assist. Guy, he, oh, oh, he, he, I guess I guess US is playing right now, right? Uh, no, he. Well, it says here that he's played in two games. Uh, are they playing really? right now? Yeah, um, because they they played they played Kazakhstan, um, Sweden. He wasn't available for either of those games. Um, I thought he played against Sweden, but you might be right. 
Um, sure I'm looking at the stats here. It says that he had, he played two games, so maybe that you're you might be right that they're playing right now. Are they playing right now? Okay. Uh, Should be a full schedule. So I don't are think you they played I th- yesterday. They didn't. Um, well, anyways, anyways, he has he has one he assist. For sure, he for sure played in the first game. He had some he had an assist. But he, he didn't get rewarded for his efforts, so... He, he Oh, he played in the Sweden game. Oh, he did play in the Sweden game? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I've read reports that said he wasn't going to play. Okay. Well, but he did play, yeah. Either way, either way, he still hasn't dominated points-wise. So, yeah. Um, Let's uh, see what he has moving forward. Another guy that's impressed me, Habs prospect Alexander Romanov, looked real solid against Denmark. Major shot from the point. Uh, doesn't have any points in 28 KHL games this year, but a lot of upside with them. Yep. As for the team that I'm most concerned about, Sweden. Like, they've won 47 straight round-robin games, but after that U.S. game where they had a 4 nothing lead in the third and gave up two goals and less than two minutes left on the clock, um, when it comes to the knockout round, they could be an early exit. Yeah, possibly. Although they, I mean, they technically still have won. Um, all their games, but yeah, because um, they won in overtime in their game. I'm I'm ex- I I'm just looking at the schedule here, so it looks like this is the last day before the round robins right now. So USA yeah, plays Finland. Yeah, the last day for the round robin for Canada. Yeah. They play against Russia, so that'll be a big game. We're and Finland plays on, USA. We're on New Year's Eve, by the yeah. way. So. Uh, so yeah, well, we don't know the official countries yet, but we imagine I would imagine Sweden and Canada are for sure gonna be uh, in the the next round of oh, things. Oh, they're definitely in the next round. Yeah, um, it's just a matter of where they finish. Exactly, it's just positions, um, and I think Russia is also in because they've won three, um, mm-hmm. and USA has won. Although it will matter because they're playing Finland tonight, so. Whoever wins that will probably uh, will play um, on January second. Um, yeah, uh, so there, there's that. Um, okay, um, do we have time? Okay, I don't think we have time for the All Star captains. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about those once the actual um, yeah rosters are announced. Uh, so you will do Bruins and Sens. You go first. All right. Well, um, the Sens kicked off their post-Christmas break with a game at the Barclays Center. I feel obligated to mention the name of the venue because I never know exactly where the Islanders play their home games these days. Uh, in Barclays. Any event, it was a pretty good start for Ottawa. They uh, took the early one nothing lead thanks to Mark Stone's 17th goal of the year. Uh, shots were even at 10 in the opening 20, so the, you know they're doing pretty good at that point. Uh, Duchesne, 15th of the season with the extra man. Ottawa's up 2 nothing. Everything's looking good. And uh, I always hate when the goalies come out of the net to play the puck, especially if I'm a Sens fan, because while they are pretty decent at stopping the puck, they can't handle it at all. And it bit them again. Uh, I believe this time it was Josh Bailey making good on a blunder behind the net 24 seconds after the 2 nothing goal. So it's a two to one game. Good news for Ottawa. Three minutes later, Cody Cece makes it three to one. Grice is out of the net after three goals on 17 shots. 
And in comes Robin Leonard. And the reason why I mentioned Robin Leonard, he is uh, 6-0-3 lifetime against the Sens um, at that point. So I'm, I'm joking in my head. Ottawa's probably going to lose this game because they can't solve Robin Leonard at all. Yeah. And um, I guess sometimes if you uh, think things into existence, they'll just happen. And uh, look at look at that. Uh, the ex- the Islanders did exactly what I thought they would. Um, did you know that? Gets a pretty big goal uh, late in the second, so it's a three-two game. Um, Islanders get four goals in the third. Two of those from Matt Barzell. He gets um, a sniper a minute fifty-four after Boychuk's three-three uh, goal to give the Islanders their first lead, and then halfway through the period, he uncorks a rocket to make it five-three. Sezikis adds one in the final minute, six three. Leonard only faces ten shots. Did you know and that? Surprise, surprise, gets the win in relief. Did you know that Leonard leads the league in goals against average? Um, no, I did not. Well, he does. So. <laughs> and now you know. Yeah. Um. So this game also hurt Ottawa in other ways, which I'll get to uh, after I summarize the Washington game, which wasn't as uh, awful to watch. Um, this game, Guy Boucher goes with Marcus Hogberg in net. That's the first career NHL start for him. Uh, and Ottawa surprisingly did a good job defensively in front of him against a Capitals team that's very potent offensively. Uh, only 24 shots for Washington the entire game. Uh, the Islanders had 39 the night before. Um, and 22 of those 39 shots from New York came from the back end. The Caps only had six from their defensemen. Uh, the key point in that no time on the power play for Washington so you immediately better your chances of winning if you don't uh, give Ovechkin time uh, to work some magic on the power play Um, Brady Kachuk and Zach Smith both got uh, into some extracurriculars Mark Stone with five takeaways uh, led the sense with six shots on goal uh, recorded a goal and an assist in 21 minutes and 55 seconds of ice time. He was looking very, very good in that game. Uh, Cody Cece and Max Lajoie were the top two ice getters among Sens defensemen. Uh, Colin White got a goal and an assist and five shots in just over 20 minutes of ice time, um, a day after he was actually placed on the top line. So he's making some strides as well. Uh, in the final 40 minutes, the shots were 26 to 14 for Ottawa. Ovi had two shots the entire game. So again, progress for the Sens after a rough outing. That's what I like to see. The only downside to that uh, game on Saturday is Ottawa trailed three nothing in the first 21 minutes and didn't fully recover. So they lose three two, and uh, they have now lost uh, four straight overall. Uh, second last in the league, dead last in the East, heading into the final day of 2018. But like I said, in the bottom three, that's what we all expected. And at this point, all you can ask from the sense is plenty of fight and their best possible effort, because sometimes their best possible effort isn't good enough to get wins. And um, it's showing right now. So with that being said, they close out 2018 in Ohio, return home on Wednesday to face Vancouver, who um, are playing pretty well lately. And then uh, they continue their homestand with a home game against Minnesota on Saturday and Carolina on Sunday. Both of those games, 1 p.m. face-offs. And I mention that because sends in afternoon games equals trouble. 
So I'm hoping the fact that it's 2019, the past doesn't matter, and uh, they uh, get some results in those afternoon games. But uh, we'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. Uh, before I get to, to the off-ice news, do you have any comments on that? No, I mean, I, I kind of mentioned them in during our bottom three section. But, yeah, it's uh, we'll see. Uh, so we're going to get to the off-ice news. There's a bit of bad off-ice news, but nothing outside of the team. So I guess that's good news. Um, Thomas Shabbat out for a month after taking a hard hit from Matt Martin on Friday night against the Islanders. Uh, he's got an upper body injury as a result. Wait, a month? Uh, I thought you said three weeks. Um, that's uh, the injury that Christian Yaros is dealing with. He's oh, out three okay. weeks with a broken finger. Got it. Uh, the Sens and Islanders fought three times in the final 60 seconds. Yaros was one of the combatants, and uh, he got the worst of his bout. So um, they okay. lost him for three weeks. I got mixed up there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're both relatively close to a month they'll be missing. Yeah, so. true. Yeah. Um, they also don't have Justin Falk. Uh, for an indefinite period of time because it's a concussion, so we don't know how long he's going to be out. He's missed two games so far. Uh, speaking of concussions, Craig Anderson's got one, and that's probably the biggest of all because um, he's basically the backbone of this team. Uh, but so you'll see what uh, you have in uh, Hogberg, at least. Yeah, yeah. Marcus Hogberg, he's getting the start against Columbus. Uh, he, he looked decent against the Capitals, too, so it's... It's a good time to see what they have uh, from a future perspective because yep. it's a relatively young team and a lot of those guys that uh, they want to be a part of their future are going to be a part of the future very soon. So the yep. sooner you can get them into the NHL, the better, I suppose. Yep. Uh, on the positive side of things, Pajot making strides in his recovery from a torn Achilles back in September. He could return to the lineup earlier than expected. Maybe it's this month. Uh, yeah, he's been cleared for contact, so that's a good sign. I but saw that still too. No word there. I I like wasn't he projected to be out the entire season, right? Or yep. so yep, he was. So that's good. That's good to hear. Mm-hmm. But you know what the best news out of all of this is? Brad? What? I think I know where going. <laughs> the Sens got a puppy. They're uh, teaming up with the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. They're going to be training a black months and uh the best part the fans get to name the puppy uh got a lot of good suggestions online such as roger murray arfi stanley sparta dog and even one person said eugene but not the mother of all names don't you i do uh do you want me to say it or are yeah, you go ahead say it uh thomas shabark sends media i don't know if you listen to the show <laughs> if you don't sign Matt Shane or Mark Stone. Just please, for the love of God, do us this solid favor and, <laughs> and name the dog Thomas Shepard. Yeah. Please. Just give me something to smile about this year. That's yep. that's a real winner. You're right. Um, yeah, I know. Uh well, well I hope so. It was a it's a pretty cute puppy. Although I prefer yeah, it is. I, I, I have I to love, admit... I love how they followed uh, St. Louis's lead. Yeah. Um, Bark, uh, Barkley, I believe their their dog's name is uh, called. Uh, Barkley. I, I watched, him, I watched uh, a video of him hanging out with Tarasenko during practice, yeah. and it just melted my heart. I know. Well, th- I was going to say, I've, I think the Blues dog is cuter, but uh, yeah. I, I, I kind of want to see every team do this. It's just adopt a dog. <laughs> yeah. Just because. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, we'll see. It's not looking great though in in, in Sensland, I'll have to admit. Uh I'm I'm hoping for a better 2019 uh, and uh, I'm sure you're hoping for a better 2019 from your Bruins yeah, because sure. it, I I think I think we can agree the 20 the back half of 2018 hasn't gotten terrible for Boston, but No. It, it, I think we can both agree it could be better. Right? I'm just, I just hope that everyone can be healthy. That's, that's yeah, all I hope. That's the big thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the big thing. Uh, so uh, the Bruins, uh, which is a good segue here, uh, the Bruins they played uh, the Devils on Thursday, um, and they did not do so well. Um, they came across this guy named Mackenzie Blackwood, who no one had ever heard of before. Um, except for like a lot of people, like a, I, I would presume Devils fans who are knowledgeable about their prospects. But well, I, I actually heard of this guy uh, from the OHL. He played with the Barry Colts. He had yeah. he had a decent career with them as well. And yeah. um, I think the reason why he was lost in the shuffle is because you know he had Corey Schneider and Keith Kincaid in the picture, and you figured, well, you're probably not going to see this guy for a while. And right. All and of then a sudden, all of Corey sudden, Schneider can't win, and Keith yeah. Kincaid isn't getting it done, and yep. here he is finding sure. himself uh, with a great chance to make an NHL impact. I and think I heard... Right, right now, he's done that. I think I heard of him, but like I didn't like know that he was going to be like uh, like this good right now. And I don't think a lot of people projected him to be this good. Anyways, he was the star of the game. He had 40 saves, um, but and like the Bruins couldn't get anything by him. The only two uh, that did get by him were uh, Chris Wagner and Patrice Bergeron. Um, were those? Were those? I didn't watch the highlights. Were those like garbage goals? Were they highlight real goals? Like, the Wagner how, how one they, was. How did they this guy. The Wagner one was Bergeron goal took a little bit more skill but it it was uh chris wagner was more of a like a fluky one but the bergeron one was something that i don't i don't think he could have stopped um so anyways he mackenzie blackwood was the star of the show um saverson palmary coleman heischer and coleman again all got um all got goals um Speaking of Coleman, uh, he uh, he was the victim of David Backus's hit. Um, it was like a shoulder to the head uh, kind of play. It was like when the puck wasn't even anywhere near um, anywhere near uh, Coleman or Backus at all. Well, so it, it was it kind of sort of because he was making the play to right. dump it out of the zone. He was his eyes were focused on the puck. His head didn't. He didn't alter his head to make it the primary point of contact. He was just in the midst of clearing right. the puck, and then Bacchus just runs into him. Yeah, and it, it did seem kind of incidental. It kind of reminded me of that Eric Carlson uh, hit uh, last week. Um, right, yeah. And uh, Carlson had three games, and Bacchus also no, uh, got three games. Carlson had two games. I think oh. part of the reason Bacchus got three is because he was a repeat offender and Carlson wasn't. Oh, uh, that makes sense. But anyways, Backus got three games uh, for that, um, which means he's going to miss the Winter Classic, which is kind of sad. Um, sad. Sad, but it's unfortunately yeah. fair. I, I, they had yeah. to suspend him for that. You know what's not fair? Uh, Brad Marchand got injured, and he may miss the Winter Classic. Uh, he uh, he got hit. He got hit a ton, and he got no calls at all uh, throughout the entire game. 
Um, I think I read, I read somewhere that yeah. that it was it was a sore stomach. That's why he didn't play against Buffalo. Oh, and it wasn't because of a hit that he suffered against New Jersey. Well, I mean, it, it he did he did get bashed around <laughs> the entire okay. game. Um, so so it, he may have said mind. publicly that it was because of the stomach, but I, I, I don't buy it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, anyways, uh, he, he looks, he looked to be injured. It's one of those things too, where I feel like refs are like, they're like, they're starting to like not give Marshawn the benefit of the doubt anymore. Well, so, <laughs> so they're like, the slash, so then, the slash on ben yeah, from a couple of months ago is yeah. a glaring example of that. Right. And so like teams are just willing to like take their shots at him because they know that yeah, he's very good. If they act well enough, yeah. if they get an Oscar for selling a right. play, and they can they can embellish. So that's that's yeah. been their strategy, really. So yeah. um, they're taking advantage of his reputation and um, and all that stuff. Uh, the good, like Brad Marchand can't afford to make a small mistake. It's and, true because uh, if he does, the refs are going to call it. But the good news is that uh, Chara. Kevin Miller, or Killer, as I like to call him, yeah. and um, and Jake DeBrusque all returned. Uh, so that was good to see. Jake DeBrusque also got an assist, so that was also nice. Um, and we'll get to Jake DeBrusque in a second, because he uh, he played a, an important part in the uh, next game we're about to talk about. So yeah, as we mentioned, Brad Marchand did not play. Uh, Charlie McAvoy also got injured as well. Um, it looks like that's an upper body injury um, um, in this game. But, um, yeah, this was a close game throughout. Um, it was pretty even uh, throughout. Uh, Marco Scandello starts things off and he scores. And then Noel Chari scores five uh, minutes later. Uh, then Johan Larson scores and a shorthanded goal. This was one that Rask had to have, but he didn't. Um then in the third period, I, I think at this point, I was just like, I, I like the Bruins were not playing great hockey in the third period, but um, they were getting some shots in every now and then. So I thought like, oh, there's a chance uh, that we could tie things up. Like all I cared about was just making it into overtime. I know the Sabres are good now, so I, I'm not like worried about losing to the Sabres as much, but it's more like, hey, um, you know we can we can do it um and this time uh jake debrus scores with three minutes left in the third period um it was uh, a power play goal uh jake debrus like ta like deflects off of a tory krug shot um it was it was pretty nice uh, there um and, and then in that third period uh, boston could have easily won it they had i true. think 18 shots buffalo only had five that well period, i mean so. i guess I get like yeah they they did play well in the third period I should say but they also it it didn't seem like a lot of the shots were like high quality it just seemed like yeah, they were okay. shooting just to shoot um, yeah. but uh, yeah no the it, way they're getting chances to score that's the true thing. of course yeah um it and it seemed like Carter Hudden was like very good too so it was just like mm -hmm. a, um it seemed like for me it was like oh will will we ever score again kind of thing feeling yeah. um and then in overtime uh sean corelli sh uh was very nice uh he shoots um he gets this breakaway pass uh from grizzlick um and uh he like he shoots it uh and it, it rebound and then corelli gets the rebound 
um, and he scores right there. Um, it's like if you told me that the uh, overtime winner, winning goal would be from Sean Corrali, Matt Grizzlick, and Kevin Miller, who got the two assists, w- like that would be the thing, I would not believe you. Uh, for the life yeah, of me. Because the whole thing about yeah. relying on Marshall and Pasternak and Bergeron was a common theme, and now right. the depth guys are starting to pick Well, up. I mean, that's nice to say, but it, it's just weird to see them in overtime, you know? Like, I was yeah. kind of... So, so, but, like, you're right. It, it was it was a nice goal. Um, he's a, Sean Corrali is low-key one of the, our best players, um, not just, like, for, like, offense, because, you know, he only... That was his third goal of the year, but he's... He's very good defensively as well um, on the fourth line. He plays his role well, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do appreciate that. Um, next week, uh, or this week, uh, you guys are probably going to already be watching the Winter Classic. Uh, the Bruins play the the Blackhawks. Um, so uh, some t- cool things that I noticed. I'm not as hyped about the Winter Classic as I usually am. Um I think like I think I'm soured on the on the Winter Classic ever since the the they played the Habs on uh, in Gillette. Um, I was there when they played in Fenway, um, but it seems like it's it's I don't know I don't it doesn't have the same appeal when they're playing um, today uh, in uh, in Notre Dame um, Stadium. Uh, so there's that. Uh, some two cool things about the Winter Classic, though, are uh, that the, uh, so uh, Tuka Rask has, like, a lot of, uh, he had this goalie helmet. Um, it has a lot of, like, um, Irish themes on there. There's, like. Yeah, I saw it. It looks pretty sick. It, it's pretty sick, yeah. He has, like, the clovers on there and, and all that stuff, so that was pretty cool. And Pasternak has on his stick he has pasta emojis on his stick which is uh which is pretty awesome um and then uh, uh a bruins beat guy a boston globe he a uh, matt porter according to him he writes for the boston globe he asked brad marchand what emoji he would put on his stick um and i i just love this quote here because uh, it just shows how self-aware brad marchand is he says, I would never put an emoji on my stick. I have way more self-respect than that. And then there's a quick pause. But I'll lick a guy. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I thought that was, that was a I funny thought, quote. I thought it was yeah. going to be something along the lines of, well, I don't want to give the refs an excuse to give me a penalty. So oh, yeah, yeah. Be, I mean, that would be like headline news if he, if he yeah. complains about the refs, right? Um, yeah, so... Uh, uh, court, so Bacchus is for sure not playing because he got suspended. Uh, Charlie McAvoy did not practice, uh, so he's questionable to play in the Winter Classic. But Brad Marchand did practice, and you you did say that he it may just be a stomach thing. So uh, so maybe he will play on um, in the Winter Classic. Um, so we'll see. Um, it's like all we need now is like of course once we get everyone healthy now like McAvoy is back to being injured and Brad Mar- now we have to worry about Brad Marchand's health um <laughs> next thing I'll know is like Pasternak's injured or something um anyways uh for the rest of the week we have um sorry let me look at the calendar here um so the, uh on Thursday they play Calgary 
um, at home and then Buffalo on the 5th. Um, so there, there's that. Um, I'm hoping that the, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I think I kind of turned myself around on the winter classic. I hope I I'm just more hoping that it's going to, the Bruins are going to perform like they did, um, in Fenway when they played the flyers and won in overtime, um, in 2010 versus the time when they got shellacked by the Canadians in Gillette stadium in 2016. So, um, I am, even I'm kind of sick of the Bruins playing in the winter classic, especially, <laughs> especially against the Blackhawks who have even played more winter classic games, yeah. but, um, I don't I know. Think I think that's probably why a lot of people in the league are kind of turned off by yeah. the winter classic. It's just like, oh, we haven't seen these guys play before. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, we have. We've seen them like two, three, right. four times. Yeah. I think this is so. This is the Bruins' third winter classic. I think this is like the Blackhawks' like fifth winter classic or something like that. Yeah, so, some. It, yeah. It's at least four. It's yeah. at least four. I think. I think the most. I think the most recent winter classic that they play was against the Caps. And yeah. That was only a couple years ago. Right. Right. I do remember that one. Um. So. Um. So yeah, I think it, it's it's just um whatever. I think. I think it also is just like there's like not a, like they've already played in all the the major stadiums and and stuff so it's like like they've already played in Fenway Wrigley they've played in Gillette Stadium they played in Yankee Stadium they've played in um, LA, the LA Dodgers Stadium you know so it's it's just fatigue on that regard as well. Yeah. It's like yeah, I can't even think of support the Notre Dame Stadium yeah. because it's somewhere they haven't been and I right. like that it's just the teams that are being used right what i think would be what kind of drags on the story it's just like oh these guys again what i think would be pretty cool is if they played in um in minnesota um yeah i would love to see a game and that's a perfect state of hockey like it's cold there the only thing fans love their hockey yeah the only the only make it minnesota the only thing about that is that i don't know like I don't think the the like the wild have like the sex of sex appeal that like like an original six team has. Um, so I feel like if the wild do well, um, they're they're for sure gonna be uh, they for sure should be in a winner classic. Um, but What's I think also interesting you know what I mean? to note is that um, I believe. I think the only place they could really play that's outdoors is Target Field, home of the Minnesota Twins, oh, yeah. because I'm pretty sure the NFL stadium that they have is domed. Uh, I think it's a retractable roof right now, actually. Okay. Um, but it's a, it's not, uh, it's not like they, but like it, it's a new stadium, I think. They could play yeah. in the University of Minnesota football stadium, which is outdoors. Yeah, yeah, that's that's also a possibility. Too. Um. Yeah. Um, also, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of other places they could play in, I guess. But um, I, be... I know they already have played an outdoor game in Colorado. Yeah. Um, like the Coliseum would be pretty cool. Um, although it wouldn't be winter there. Um, or wouldn't feel <laughs> well, like winter. They played an outdoor game in California already and they were able to make that work. So. True, but not in the Coliseum, I don't think. Uh, they played yeah. in Dodger Stadium. Um that would be pretty cool. Uh, like, I know it's indoors, but Jerry uh, Jerry World or the Dallas Cowboys Stadium would be mm-hmm. pretty cool. Um, 
pretty much any football stadium. Um, like I'm, I'm just thinking like Arrowhead Stadium, even though Kansas City doesn't have a team, you know, that would be pretty cool. Or like once Seattle gets a team, um, yeah, it would be Seattle pretty cool is, to, to play in the Seahawks. Yeah, to play in the Seahawks yeah, stadium. I wonder if that's that was the real reason why uh, the NHL decided to do that. Oh, yeah, actually, speaking of expansions, um, what would be awesome is if Vegas they played in Vegas. Yeah. Well, well, they. You know? I think they didn't. They actually play an exhibition game that was outdoors in Vegas one time. It was they might have. Yeah. Ago. They might have. Yeah. But now that the Knights are like one of the best teams in the league, um, I I feel like they. Uh, for like two years now, you know, I, th- it, I feel like in a that years, would, I, I hope the NHL that would draw, that. I think it's still too soon, but yeah. it's definitely worth considering. That would draw a crowd for sure. Uh, we're kind of running out of time now, I guess. Um, so we'll let you go. I hope you guys had a, a wonderful new year's and, uh, holiday break. Um, you can catch us on, uh, Twitter at lace M podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Um, you can, you know, please follow us on SoundCloud and subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, you know, rate us there on iTunes as well. Um, yeah, and uh, you, I guess you can mail us at lacembag at gmail.com. Be the first person to email us. Um, that, that's that's your incentive there. Um yeah, uh, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. Go Canada, go. We'll talk again in episode 153 of the Lace Up Podcast. Go USA.